You're listening to Lunch with Lloyd. On Dubai Eye 103.8. Hi guys, it's Mark Lloyd from Lunch with Lloyd and welcome along to this very special podcast on the show. This week we found out all the latest movies that are going to be shown over the weekend with our movie critic William Mullally, one of them being Eternals. We had a DJ in town, DJ Barak, all the way from Turkey, performing at the Coca-Cola Arena. We checked out the brunches with the AJ and also the Laughter Factory, currently on tour. We found out what we can expect from this particular tour this month and ABBA on the QE2 Theatre by QE2 featuring all the big hits Dancing Queen SOS and Waterloo enjoy the podcast and join me live weekdays from 11 o'clock only on Dubai Eye 103.8 you're listening to Lunch with Lloyd on Dubai Eye 103.8 yeah welcome back into the show right now being our favourite show of the week on a Thursday we are joined by movie critic extraordinaire the one and only William Mullally how are you sir I'm great how are you very, very good. Now, I know we're going to be talking Eternals, first of all, but I just want to say uh, something else that we're going to be chatting about, William, is, is Dexter New Blood. And I thought this was the cartoon character Dexter, but it's definitely a very different Dexter, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I definitely think probably a bit less safe for kids, a bit more serial killery. Yeah, I was expecting, you know, this little Dexter who's uh, in the lab doing all kinds of experiments, but uh, we'll get to that very shortly. But uh, before that, um, Eternals opening this weekend. Yeah, Eternals is the much-anticipated latest film from Marvel Studios, and really I think it sets a new course for the, the Marvel Universe. It's also the first Marvel film in, you know, almost 25 films plus television shows that really feels like a superhero movie. It's yeah. introducing all these new characters who are this ancient family um, from across the galaxy who have come to Earth to protect it over many, many generations have fallen apart. And now when a big, you know, Earth-ending threat comes, they reunite and get back together as a much dysfunctional family, uh, along with some of the biggest names um, across movies and television starring in these roles. So I definitely think for Marvel fans, they're going to be rushing to the cinema this weekend to see it. Yeah, and um, of course, Sama Hayek um, in there uh, uh, as well. Is she the narrator of, of, of this movie? She's the, um, she's the leader of the Eternals. Okay. She's the one who guides them through. She's kind of, you know, the, the soft wisdom that, that leads them um, across their, their journey. You know, because there's lots of different people here. You know, Richard Madden is kind of like the, the brash... Um, should be leader, thinks he should be the leader, yeah. but doesn't necessarily have the same qualities. Um, Gemma Chan here um, as Cersei, Angelina Jolie, um, really it's, it's, you know, Kamel Nanjiani. Everyone is playing very, very different roles, and they've all spread across and had very different lives over thousands of years. So I, th- I think it's very fun to see all these different people come together. And also, you know, they're supporting characters who they're setting up for the future. You know, we see one person that has already leaked online. I won't say it because I don't want to spoil it for anyone who pops mm. up in the end credits. And there's another character who is playing Gemma Chan or Cersei's boyfriend in the film, who also, if you're a, a very hardcore Marvel fan, you will know himself becomes a hero. Um, and that is played by Kit Harrington, as we know. You know, Jon Snow is not someone who is, <laughs> you know, from Game of Thrones, was used to having maybe more promise than you might expect from him at first. Him um, being, you know, the the familyless man sent off to the, the White Watcher ended up being the the potential leader of uh, Westeros. And here, 
it might be appearing in future Marvel films. Um, I'm really excited to see what they might do with Kit Harrington. But when I spoke to Kit about, you know, getting involved with this film, really he wasn't here because he wanted to play, you know, the nice boyfriend. Um, he wanted to really, I think, build a future in the Marvel Universe. He would only take a role if it could potentially have a future. But while he was here playing, you know, the nice boyfriend, he really did want him to represent the best of humanity and to put his all into this film, in this introduction, that I think will be interesting to watch him build upon as we go. You know, I wasn't sent the script at first. So it was uh, a conversation with Nate, the producer, and Chloe about who he was, what he was in this film, and what he might be uh, with, without any sort of promises made, or, but if this was an introduction to him or not. Uh, it was important to me it was an introduction, that I'd like it to go further if it can. But who is he in this movie? Well, like to me, it was important. One thing was very important that I spoke to Chloe about, which is that he should have a light touch. That he should, if he was going to represent humanity and he was going to be a boyfriend to Cersei at the start of the movie, then he should feel like someone we liked, like someone who was warm. But what really came out in the movie, which I enjoyed and I felt proud of in this movie, which does uh, break a lot of boundaries, was that he finds out a piece of information about his girlfriend, which is, which could be threatening to a lot of men. You know, they might feel threatened that their girlfriend is more powerful than them. And he's not. And I think that's a really, uh, that, that's something as a character I'm proud of him for. Kit Harrington then um, in the lineup of the Eternals. Um, yeah, a more, a more powerful girlfriend than yourself in this superhero universe, William. Yeah, and I, I think that this is a film that does, you know, bring in a lot of, you know, progressive values in, you know, casting, you know, people from across the world and making sure that they get people who really embody those roles rather than just kind of having token casting, which we heard from Salma Hayek talk about last week. But I, I think really it was about just having a warm, empathetic film. It yeah. was a film that was just sitting there about, okay, how many people can we kill in the grandest way possible? It was, I think, in a lot of ways similar to another female-directed film um, in Wonder Woman 1984, really about compassion and how much compassion can scale to these gigantic heights. And director Chloe Zhao, who you know just won an Oscar as Best Director for, for Nomadland, mm. Um, you know, in her Oscar speech, she spoke about how, you know, she's always tried as a, as a person to, to choose love, to choose compassion, to choose empathy. And I think what she spoke about there, you know, when I said if those were the sorts of themes that she directly tried to, to get out in Eternals after she, you know, gave that Oscar speech, it, I think I, I hit the nail on the head, as she told me. Uh, I, I think the, the idea of having the strength to choose love is truly the the theme of the film because to choose love you have to unconditionally believe that we are good by nature because to choose love is to choose to forgive and to have compassion for your enemies and as you see in the film is Cersei's really Cersei's capacity to be vulnerable and to have compassion for her enemy that allow her to save the day. Well, that's uh, Chloe Zhao, the uh, director of Eternals. Let's have a listen in on the trailer. We have watched. Unguided. We have helped them progress. 
seen them accomplish wonders. Throughout the years, we have never interfered. Until So there's the big uh, opening this weekend. Uh, William, are we going to be flocking along to see this one? Is it, uh, you know, has it got enough to uh, uh, attract big audiences? You know, I think it's because it's Marvel. If if you're a Marvel fan, you're going to see every single Marvel movie that they put out. Yeah. Because at this point, they've earned people's trust that, you know, certain things are always going to pay off later. You know, I think they've shown with, with Avengers Endgame, they know not only how to set things up, they know how to pay things off. They know how to have a grand finale. And while this may be setting up many stories to come, um, I think they're only going to get better the more that we get to know these different characters and get to know this world. Um, and I do think, although this film is dividing people, it's interesting that Marvel can do things that divide people rather than kind of making the same film over and over. You know, they've retired Captain America, they've retired Iron Man, and mm-hmm. they're really forging a different direction. And that's going to divide people, which is interesting. You know, that, that, that means that things are really moving forward and they are really pushing boundaries because if you don't, hit those boundaries and you never bother people at all. It just becomes nice and warm and fuzzy. But I, I do think that they're trying, they're taking risks and Eternals is a big risk, but I do think that ultimately it's going to pay off by them. Excellent. So uh, that's opening um, this weekend, uh, Eternals. Um, thank you, Aruma, for your message. I can't believe you know Dexter from The Lab. Uh, it was such a big, big favourite cartoon, that and Johnny Bravo. Um, it used to play at some unearthly hour, middle of the night, when I was working back in India, and I would sit up to 1 or 2 a.m. just to watch these shows. Yeah, I do know Dexter from The Lab, uh, but it's not the Dexter that we're going to be talking about when we come back. Listening to Lunch with Lloyd on Dubai I 103.8. Yes, indeed. Welcome back to the show. We've already look at, looked at Eternals opening up uh, this weekend. Uh, we got a Dexter on the menu next, William. So, what do we know about this movie? So, this is actually a series, a return series, um, potentially limited, potentially continuing, yeah. of the much beloved um, Dexter show starring Michael C. Hall that aired from 2006 on into the early teens of this last decade and you know dexter was i think for a long time you know at the top of culture you know this was the show that everyone loved this is the character everyone loved about basically a serial killer who kills other serial killers a serial killer who wants to be good he has the urge to kill but he wants to channel it as as positively as as possible i mean obviously you know this is not you know your average superman type character but he did have a a sort of a noble cause a, a conscience underneath um, his bloodlust and Michael C. Hall, just a tremendous actor in bringing pathos and depth to this character. But, you know, after the original showrunner left after the season's high, or the series is high, excuse me, in season four, when John Lithgow played the Trinity killer, um, things kind of went downhill. Although season seven was, you know, one of the best seasons of the entire show, season eight just went completely off the rails. It ended in a way that everyone universally hated. And that seemed to be it. And I think because we've seen also with Game of Thrones that when you have a bad ending, people just stop talking about your show. But I think fans always hoped that because, you know, this was not a definitive ending, because Dexter had, you know, left his world behind, left his son behind, and gone off into the woods and become a lumberjack, that maybe he would find his way back to the palms of Miami or perhaps, you know, find a new adventure in those woods at some point. And now finally, you know, Michael C. Hall has re-teamed with the original creator, and the original showrunner, 
um, to bring back Dexter Story, to show where potentially this series could go at a different point in his life, and I think right the wrong. And, you know, I think for me, what's most interesting is, you know, okay, is this being just made for fans? Or is Michael C. Hall himself, was he unsatisfied with how all of this panned out, with how, you know, Dexter, the series, um, ended up? And was this something that really had been a drive within him? And he gave me a very, very honest answer. And we had a you know, very frank discussion about what it's like to, to walk away from something when you're unsatisfied with it. So what does it mean? Because obviously we know what this show means to the fans coming back. We know that it ultimately kind of, you know, rights are wrong in some people's eyes. There's obviously the drive in that direction. But what does it mean for you personally? There's plenty of area in which the audience's um, experience of the way the show ended and my own intersect. You know, I mean, I think I think there are ways in which it was um, dissatisfying, but also open ended. Certain questions remain and sort, certain storytelling opportunities were there, especially after a certain amount of time had passed. The fact that Harrison is is on the cusp of becoming a young man. And if he were to track his father down, what would that be like? I think ever since it ended, there's been some hope that some story would reveal itself or emerge that felt worth telling and allow me to deal with that feeling. <laughs> Michael C. Hall then um, from the Dexter uh, series of shows. Where can we see this, William? So this is only on Stars Play Arabia in the region. So the first episode came out this week, so you can follow along with the entire series as it goes, but only on Stars Play. Okay, um, a couple of things I want to run by you. Apparently Vin Diesel has asked Dwayne Johnson to rejoin uh, The Fast and the Furious for the 10th and final installments. Um, of course, they've had a, quite a public feud, <laughs> uh, the two, but uh, do you think that could happen? Okay, they have. And I say this out of, you know, so much love for both of these people. You yeah. know, I've met them each a number of times. <laughs> you ever get that text from a friend that you're having a fight with and they're apologizing, but they're not apologizing? <laughs> this is what that post felt like to me. Mm. It's just like he'd edited himself, so he's just as tall and just as wide as Dwayne Johnson. It's this very like strange plea in a public place rather than you know, reaching out to him privately. I would love to see The Rock back in this franchise, but yeah. I do think that, that the bad blood that has risen between these is not going to be solved by a weird Instagram post where you edit yourself to look just as strong as Dwayne The Rock Johnson. I mean, I think that there, there's too many egos involved here that are very clear <laughs> within that post. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I think I would love to see that play out on screen. And I think their tension is palpable on screen as it is in real life. But I, I don't know if that's going to convince Rocky to, to drop the <laughs> 15,000 projects that he has to come back and film that one. Yeah. Uh, William, thanks for your thoughts on that. And uh, happy viewing uh, this weekend. We'll catch you again next Thursday for a look at the big movies. Of course, Eternals is the big one this weekend. This is Lunch with Lloyd. On Dubai Eye. 103.8. Yeah, and a very warm welcome back to the show. We love our Thursdays as we're really in that weekend vibe. And you know what you need for a great weekend? What uh, do you need? You need a fantastic DJ, don't you? Do. you? And that, that ain't me. I was about to say. <laughs> <laughs> but it is our next guest. Uh, Turkish DJ Barak Yatta is back in Dubai. And uh, you're going to be uh, performing for us at the Coca-Cola Arena. How excited are you for that? Yeah, well, I'm very excited to be here. Actually, I will play tonight Coca-Cola Arena for the first time. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be crazy show ever in my life. Wow. I mean, it's, it's a fantastic venue, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm very excited to play there, actually. 
Um, that's why I'm super excited to be here before before the show. Let's see. Yeah. And you know, he told me it's sold out, and he said he said you're more than welcome to come. I'll put you on the guest list. I yeah. said, does it start at eight? He said, no, it starts at eleven. Eleven. Yeah. I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> so it's going to be a late one. Um, yeah. What kind of stuff are you going to be playing? What What's your kind of style when it comes to being uh, a DJ? You know, I always try to open the page for music industry. That's why my first single Tuesday is kind of different vibe, and I'm going to follow up this kind of sound, uh, which is like B house. I cannot explain very well, but you, when you hear the, my sound, and you can say. Okay, this is a typical Brekater signature sound. Yeah. And the follow-up, of course, I will play a little bit house music. Yeah. And something very special with the guitar live. Okay. Yeah. You play guitar as well. Yeah. So yeah. How, what was your journey into becoming, you know, a, an international DJ? You've been telling me you travel nonstop. Yeah. How yeah, did yeah. it start for you? Yeah, I've been um, architect. I'm still doing my father's job because we have family company. But also um, my two sisters grow up because that's why my sister's working with my daddy. And then I'm more music side right now. I'm very happy to spend more time in the music industry. Yeah. And before, of course, I used to work with you two, Ruby Williams, Madonna for Mixed Mastering when I was studying in London. And then after I changed my career to focus myself and doing some stuff for the dance floor. And I did a Top 100 DJ in DJ Mac and after entering DJ Mac Top 100 I spent more time to make my productions mm-hmm. and I'm still working for famous artists for mix mastering but I, I'm more focused for myself doing my, some mix mastering um, yeah I'm very happy to play for everywhere actually sometimes I play one day three shows which means like one day wow. three different countries <laughs> we don't wow. have time for wow. sleep you know DJ life is something going to be crazy it is but also I'm doing production I'm never going to stop chasing my dreams because uh, without production you are nothing it's not just we are DJ you yeah. should do production yeah. and I'm still working for famous or unfamous singer songwriters Let, let's have a, a listen to one of your tracks just tell me a little bit about this song which one uh, I'm going to fire it off right now there yeah Friday night and this song um, we start with the song in Italy which is a very famous uh, Italian singer she's name is Elodie and the Friday night it was very old song and we did cover and yeah. which means like it's kind of kind of new dance floor song let's have a listen yeah Loving the vibe of that, it's just it's just right for yeah, just right for uh, Dubai and that kind of almost like a bit of a seventies groove on that, the strings and everything. It's very seventies disco. Yeah, actually, uh, I really like to make old school songs, and this one when I hear the first time, it was like, oh, I need to change something different vibe. For example, this part, it's kind of typical my signature sound. It's very similar from the Tuesday song. Okay, it's kind of very Euro pop, Euro beat that it reminds me of. Uh, amazing, you're an architect you. as well. Do you yeah. still design buildings? Yeah, I'm doing. I'm doing. You know. <laughs> <laughs> so, what are some of the best gigs that you've been to around the world that are, you know really stood out for you? The biggest one for me, Tomorrowland, and I was really? yeah, I, I played in five hundred thousand people on the stage. It was so oh. huge. And the second one, Serbia Exit Festival, it was so much fun. 
But even I play here like 100, 1,000 people, it doesn't matter because if I play somewhere else, it's going to be like something different because yeah. even for one people, one billion people, it's going to be same for me because I try to give same energy for the same uh, everyone. And But of course, some of them is different like Tomorrowland, Exit Festival. Wow. Even tonight, I'm very excited to play here Coca-Cola Arena for the first time. Do you, do you find um, the crowd around the world very different? Like do you cater differently for let's say now that you're in the UAE compared to if you're in Europe? Actually, um, when I play in Tokyo, yeah, Asian marketing, people are getting crazy because they are ready for the dance. Because at this moment, the f- festivals are start for Asian marketing, which, which means like for me something different. Maybe for them, it's going to be like same, but for me, it's going to be rif- really different. Um, I cannot calculate so easily from East Europe and the uh, crowd. It's going to be all same. But the, uh, the energy from the people is going to be amazing for mm. Asian marketing. Wow. Yeah. Now, talking of Asian, um, <laughs> yeah. the, the TV show that has taken over the planet yeah, at, at yeah. the moment is yeah. Squid Game. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I think everybody's watched I it. I haven't. No, I know you haven't, <laughs> but um, the majority of people have. And you've, um, you know, put your little remix magic on, yes. on the theme for that. Tell yeah. me about that. That before I did remix for La Casa de Papel, which is a very famous movie from the Netflix, you know, and it was number one more than seven countries. Yeah. And the people are saying, hey, Brock, you should do one more remix for any movie. I say, hey, there is one more movie. This is very crazy. It's a good game. Everybody's watching. And I say, okay, I will do remix for this song. I play for the first time last week. I get crazy. And, you know, I cannot say anything. Are you going to be have to listen Let's have a listen. I'll tell you what, I love that. You've got to get your tracksuit on for that one. Yeah, there is two, two songs, actually. It's kind of yeah. mesh-up, yeah. Uh, very, very cool stuff, Thank you, uh, thank Barack. you. Um, now, what's this I'm hearing about you and Ponham kind of got something going on when it comes to her vocals? What's yeah. Th- <laughs> you can explain first. Well, so last, first ladies. last time we spoke, he said, um, you know, I can make a song about you. I can make a song about anything. I said, sure, I'll give you my vocals. And the next thing I knew, he said, send me your track. So I did. And then today he said, we need to talk about this. I'm like, are you serious? <laughs> 15 years later, my music career is going to rebirth and oh, re-spread. Right. So we're going to get a remix of a Punam remix. from. <laughs> you know, what's funny? When, I, when we talk each other about the song, I get 100 DMs from this, from someone. Hey, Brock, you make a song with everyone? Because I am full oh. super talented. Maybe you guys using my, my vocal, my you know song, something mm. like that. Okay, so also, we have many options. We should decide which is good for you. Yeah. And then we get a song. But it's true. As a producer, you do look for good vocalists. It's so important, yeah. isn't it? And as a vocalist, you want to work with good producers. Producers. Exactly. So the perfect combination. I, I may leave the radio station yeah. and be a superstar. <laughs> All right. Um, well, but make sure you come for an interview on Mark Lloyd's show when, when you do. If but she's going to leave, I think. Yeah. If you yeah. if you want to make a song, you have to come with me in another yeah. world. <laughs> I'm out of the studio with him soon. All right. Yeah. So uh, you've got your gig tonight. Yes. Uh, Coca-Cola Arena. But you're spending some time. I want to give you your dad a mention. Yeah. He is the super yeah. coolest Thank dad you. I've Thank ever seen. So what, what's you. his name? His name is Ali. Ali. Yeah. 
big way too so early. Funky. Yeah. He is so funky. Hi, Ali. Hi. He's waving to us. So what, what are you going to be getting up to in Dubai as well as doing the gig? Yeah, actually, I really like to spend more time with my best friends. And also I'm thinking one more studio here, which means like mixed mastering, because I have also DJ schools around the world. And yeah. I graduated more than uh, 5,000 students. And I will look some uh, crazy locations, maybe here. So would you like to start a DJ school here? Yeah, in Dubai. I think it'd be really mm. successful, actually. Yeah, because we used to work with Pioneer DJ Academy before. And then we're going to change the name Connection DJ Academy. And we have five different DJ schools around the world, which is first Los Angeles, Amsterdam, Istanbul, and London, and very soon here. And it's like kind of we explain how to be DJ, right? Who is Frank Douglas? What's the BPM? After story, and we're going to start the production, mixing, mastering for the people. Okay. Do, do you have a favorite DJ that really inspired you when you, when you were starting your career? Yeah, Pete Tong. Pete Tong. Oh, yeah. wow. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And what, what do you, in your opinion, do you think makes a really good DJ? Actually, for the Europe DJ, it's going to be like uh, they can play everywhere because it's like Europe DJs like, um, can, can do any, any production for anyone, actually. Mm-hmm. Because any country can say, okay, this style is a little bit like Asian marketing or Mexican marketing, but Europe DJs especially play for everywhere, which means like they are more commercial. Right, yeah. right. Can I ask a question? Yeah, sure. With your gig tonight, how are you going to prepare for it? Like Mariah Carey doesn't speak for a few hours. What do you do as a DJ to get ready for it? I will play something very crazy, special song for the first time, and because people are exit, you know, except uh, something different things, different vibe. What you're gonna play? You're gonna play or no? But before your gig starts, yeah. like it starts at eleven, will you take I'm a nap? Th- I'm thinking. Will you do some meditation? <laughs> I'm thinking something, you know, crazy things for the people because I should play something different for the people. Otherwise, and if I play somewhere else, and because I always going to uh, backstage thinking and what kind of style I need to play mm-hmm. for the people. Yeah. And of course, um, you know, if I excited to be and I get in relaxing, um, some of them make a massage for me. <laughs> yeah, massage. That's what yeah. I was thinking. Yeah, he's like, definitely. I don't know. Yeah. Well, I wish you the best of luck. I'm sure it's going to be a fantastic gig tonight, thank you. Uh, thank you. Burak. And thank you so much for taking the time. Yeah, thank to you so much. Come to our studios. Enjoy what Dubai has to offer whilst you. you're uh, you. here. And uh, yeah, I can't wait to hear the collaboration. Yeah, neither can I. <laughs> Yeah, let's do it. I have also a very special gift for you. Aww. This is for you. Oh, lovely. Yeah. What's that? Space socks. A, a pair of socks. Oh, lovely. I got a T-shirt. You got socks. That's so That's lovely. That's beautiful. Well, Barack, you yeah. are a gentleman. Thank yeah, yeah. you so much Anytime. for that. I like the space design because I have a couple of brands for our name, T-shirts and masks yeah. and kind of socks. This is for you. Lovely, sir. This is Dubai Eye 103.8. You're listening to Lunch with Lloyd. Welcome back to the show, Lunch with Lloyd through 2 o'clock. And uh, right now we are talking brunches and uh, the master of them all, AJ, a.k.a. Mr. Brunch, joins us on the show. How are you, sir? I'm very good, thank you. I like being called the master of something. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, the master of brunches for sure. The ma- and I would say the master of fashion as well, but we'll get to that later on. So you've got three, and I think we're starting in the 1990s today. We are. We're starting in the 1990s, also starting at the beginning of the week. So all of the brunches today, one's on a Thursday, one's on a Friday, and one's on a Saturday. So um, this one, uh, we're starting again, you said in the 90s, uh, it is called Drunch Like It's the 1990s. So it's an evening brunch. It's at somewhere called Locale, which is in the Crown Plaza Dubai Marina. Okay, Locale, um, Crown Plaza Dubai Marina. Uh, Drunch, what, what, what is that? 
obviously brunch is a, a mixture between uh, breakfast and, and lunch, and brunch is more uh, dinner and lunch. So oh, dinner. Course. Right, I've got you. Brunch. I've got it now. Yeah, I've got it now. So what, what, what are we going to find on the menu, AJ? Uh, so the restaurant's name is Locale. It's spelled L-O and then C-A-L-E. So it's, it's a play on words, and it's really, really healthy dishes. Everything low-calorie and, um, you know, not going to be superbly calorific. So um, things like uh, catchers and salads and uh, roasted blackened salmon, things that you might find find at places, things like cake, but with a bit more uh, taste, nothing that's going to leave you too guilty um, before the weekend. But as I said, it's a 90s-themed brunch, so uh, things like getting out your your Walkmans and your Timberland boots and all of the classic 90s tunes that everyone loves to, to dance to. All right, so very much a 90s groove on this particular brunch. Um, is it 90s prices? <laughs> um, it's actually not too bad. Okay. Um, and it's, it's an 8 to 11 um, time bracket on Thursdays. It's 149 for soft beverages, uh, 249 for house beverages, or 369 per couple, uh, and then 299 for doubles, or 499 per couple. So it's really trying to encourage people to go out with their Better hearts, which I, of course, am all up for. Okay, I'm maybe just going to ask you to move your location a little bit, AJ. You're kind of breaking up on us. Maybe you can find a better location for uh, our second brunch. If you can just perhaps move around the the house and uh, uh, maybe outside would be even better. Yeah, go outside, I'm just by the side of the road, but that should be too That's better. I think we're better now. Right, second one. Uh, this is uh, Oriental, I believe. It is. So it's Oriental, but it's a little bit of a, uh, a Lebanese twist to it. So this uh, is called Antica, um, and this is at Al Fatan Currency House, which is in BIFC. So, okay. Um, yeah. Uh, Antica, what do we know about this uh, particular venue? Uh, so the venue really, really famous. If everyone's ever been to Beirut, it's uh, a throwback to the, the 50s. So they used to have lots of hidden parties and Oriental music and dancing and clubbing and things like that. Uh, it's run by the guys who run Seven Sisters and Ace Nightclub over here. So it's a bit of a mixture between a, a dinner, supper club, and, and a nightclub with things like singers and dancers and, uh, and belly dancers and everything like that. So a really great mixture that they're having. It's a party brunch, um, which kicks off at 2 p.m. and runs till 6 p.m. Okay, and looking at um, the, uh, the wallet on that one, how's, how's it going to be? Uh, so it's 220 dirhams for the non-alcoholic package or 320 for the alcoholic package. Okay, that's number two. Then we've got one more to look at, and beautiful hotel is the Palace downtown, of course. Very elegant, and uh, you've come up with a brunch at this particular property. Tell me all about it, AJ. So this one is uh, ended up on a Saturday. This one is called Asado, and uh, as you might guess, Asado uh, means meat, so it's their steakhouse, um, and this is celebrating everything that is to do with Argentina. Okay, so an Argentina uh, brunch, La Pena brunch. Um, so uh, all meats. Uh, tell me more about what's um, what's on the uh, on the menu for this one. Yeah, so we start off with, with salads and appetizers, but um, again, the main event is their Perea Grill, which is uh, overlooks the terrace and they, they overlook the fountain. So they have something called the Asado de Pira, which is their beef short ribs. Um, we've got the entrada, which is the Simba beef skirt and grilled chicken, grilled fish and, and everything that's uh, cooked over a flame and everything 
marinated in their signature chimichurri sauce. Okay. Delicious food and amazing views. Sounds lovely, yeah, and a, a fabulous location. So, uh, price wise on this one? Uh, price wise, it's 295 for the soft beverage package or 395 for house beverage, and that obviously includes the uh, ground level views of the fountain. Uh, that's today's from 12 30 till 4. Lovely. Uh, so uh, there we have it. Several um, uh, kind of options there for uh, our brunches or our drunches. Uh, thanks once again, AJ, for uh, pointing us in the right direction for great food at the weekend. You're listening to Lunch with Lloyd on Dubai Eye 103.8. Indeed, you are. And there's comedy on the menu right now. And uh, a lady who has just flown into the city, I know it's her first time in town, is Steph. Tolly, who is part of the Laughter Factory lineup uh, for this particular month. Steph, how are you? And welcome to the show. I, I'm very well. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure. So, first impressions of, of Dubai. I love it. It's <laughs> so nice. It's so hot. Everyone's so friendly. It's a bit like Canada, where you come from, it, isn't it? it? Exactly. I was going to say, it reminds me of Canada, yeah. yeah. Except it's a bit cooler, I think, in Canada. It's just a tad, yeah. yeah. So tell me about how you became a comedian. And, you know, was it in the family? Was it always something that was destined for you, Steph? No. I actually used to um, competitively Highland dance. All right. You, you know, Scottish dancing with the bagpipes and the kilts. Um yeah, and then uh, I wanted to become an actress, yeah. and then I didn't get into any of the schools I auditioned for. So one school taught comedy, and I uh, started doing that. Okay, is it something that you can actually learn? Um, uh, you know, or, or are you funny or you're not? No, I don't think you can learn it. I no. think you kind of are or not, yeah. In high school, I did a lot of like plays and stuff, and all my teachers told me I was funny and <laughs> my friends. Yeah. Um, tell me more about this Scottish dancing that you did. That That's rather an unusual career. It's very strange. Yeah, it was, I wasn't very good. That's why I'm not doing it anymore. Um, <laughs> my mom was the teacher, so I had no choice. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, good that you're a comedian now and here to yeah. entertain us. Um, now, you live in L.A., I believe now. So what's it like doing stand-up in L.A. as opposed to Canada where, where you grew up? I think it's pretty similar. I'm curious to see how it goes over here because I've only done comedy in England before and Scotland and now here. So I'm interested. Yeah, I, I mean, you've got a, a real mix of an audience, uh, for sure, here in, in Dubai. People from all over the world. So um, yeah, are you looking forward to the challenge of that? I am, yeah. I think it's interesting to see how people perceive me out here. And, uh, you know, it's it's always exciting to do uh, new crowds. But I heard there's a lot of people from um, Australia and England and stuff out here. Yeah. So I think yeah. I think they'll like me. I'm sure they will. Um, I hope. <laughs> so tell me, uh, you've appeared in a show on Amazon called Please Understand Me. Um, give me some background onto the, as to that. Um, yes, I don't know if you know Sarah Silverman, but she produced it. And it was like, uh, actually, Ahmed, who's also on the show, it was his idea for the It was his show. And it was just people improvising with um, uh, an actual therapist. So it was like I was in a okay. couple and a scene. And then, yeah, we, a therapist knew it was like made up, but she pretended that she was a real therapist and how she would deal with it. Okay. Is, is improv very different to doing stand-up? Uh, yeah, I think it kind of goes hand in hand a little bit. But like, you know, you need to be on your feet and be able to like, if a heckler or something, you have to be able to like 
answer and stuff. But. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, hecklers, can you handle them very, very well, Steph? <laughs> I can now. Yeah, it took me a long time, but yeah. I can now. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, you know, when you arrive in a new place like Dubai, I mean, do, do you look around for things to perhaps include in your routine? A little bit, yeah. I don't, like... There's nothing really to make fun of here. Usually if I go to some like small town in Canada, I can make fun of it. But here yeah. it's like, it's nice. And I'm going to go water skiing tomorrow. I'm all oh, pumped wow. up. Yeah, yeah. I, know, I know the uh, the Laughter Factory certainly look after their comedians and show them a great time uh, across the city. I mean, is there anything as well as water skiing, anything else that you fancy getting up to? I think I'm going to go to the water park as well. I, um, I don't know. I want to go like riding jeeps in the desert. Yeah. I want to, whatever, anything you can suggest, Any, anything anyone can suggest. I saw a video of you saying, I want to go to Dubai and I want to do it all. I want to do everything. <laughs> yeah, whatever that is. There's so many things to do. Yeah, yeah. So tell me about um, the other comics as well on this particular tour this month. They're both incredibly amazing, and it would be lucky to see them out here. Okay, um, so you've got several shows still to come up. Uh, I see uh, 11th and 12th of November, Moven Pick JBR. 17th, you're going to be at Zabiel House by Jamira. Grand Millennium, Barsha Heights on the 18th, and on the 19th, the Studio One Hotel in Dubai. Once you've completed um, this uh, tour, Steph, what's next uh, up for you? Uh, back in L.A. for a few weeks, and then I'm going to Austin, Texas, and then um, going to Canada for a bit. Okay. Any more television uh, on the horizon? Uh, I'm actually about to do a callback tonight at 11.30 p.m. in my hotel room. Okay. It's 12 hours ahead, so hopefully I book that, <laughs> and then you'll see me on TV. Well, um, amazing. And, um, I mean, when it comes to travel, where else have you, have you been? Is it mainly been in, in the U.S. and Canada? Have it, and you said Scotland. Any other places? Yeah. I did. No, I did the Edinburgh Fringe Festival years ago. Okay. And I've done some stuff in Berlin but and Amsterdam, but mostly North America. Brilliant. Well, Steph, uh, really great to chat with you. I hope you have a fantastic uh, set of gigs. Of course, you can pick up your tickets at laughterfactory.com. Have a brilliant time, Steph, whatever you get Thank up you. to. Can I suggest that you go and see the old part of Dubai as well? You know, we've got all Please. our fantastic buildings uh, up here, but down by the creek is where you'll see the real kind of old Dubai, and it's magical down there. Love to do it. Thank you so much. Awesome, Steph. Thanks so much for being with us. That's once again the Laughter Factory in town for the current tour. Several dates, several chances to go along and see them in action. You're listening to Lunch with Lloyd on Dubai Eye 103.8. Yeah, welcome back to the show. And if you want to get yourself entertained, let me tell you, the place to be this weekend is at Theatre by QE2. And I will say thank you for the music to our next uh, guest joining us on the show. we got Vicky and we got Greg. Nice to see you both. Hello there. Yeah, we've spoken before over we the phone. Have. We have. Yes, we did a Zoom, yeah. didn't we? Yes, Was it we a did. Zoom? Something like that it in lockdown. It was one of them things, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, we, but you're, you're here in, in person We're now, in which person, is yeah, real look. Yeah, so um, <laughs> tell me about the show. You did, Vicky, uh, your first show last night how did it go yes absolutely fantastic it was so great to be back in a theater back yeah. here yeah um it was a little bit daunting because everyone still has to wear masks yeah um and they can't stand up we're keeping everyone safe yeah Definitely, and that's the yeah. main thing yeah. But everybody was singing so loud because you can sing in a mask. Yes, you can. Yeah, um, and the audience <laughs> they were so welcoming. It was it was just like being in a normal theater. 
but without the elevation of the crowd at the end of That's the night. Right, yeah. you know? Brilliant. So, yeah. the, the atmosphere was incredible, wasn't it, Greg? Yeah, really enjoyable. Really enjoyable for our first one. So we're looking forward to tonight as well. I know. Yeah. I, in fact, you've several sold-out shows. I believe there's a few tickets left um, for the nighttime shows. Just a few. You've we'll got to be quick. We'll get to shortly. Yeah, yeah, you do have to be quick. Yeah. Tell me about putting together uh, an Abbott show um, and, you know, the level, because you've got to get it exactly right if you if you miss if you miss it by a little bit it's just not going to work well you do yeah you have to get it right there's a lot of attention to detail with the with the music because benny and beyond they were great musicians and they knew how to make hits you know they worked really hard in the studio and it shows you know the hits they um they uh they you know they uh, the time the, uh, the amount of time that people love ABBA you know the Dancing Queen still stands up today yeah. to everything else that's out there you know it's a, it's a fantastic song and there's loads of others gimme 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 you know yeah. I'm giving away the set list it's, it's a fair old catalogue isn't it well Verlevo Fernando you know they're all mm. there it's a, a fantastic um, sort of catalogue of songs yeah. and they worked really hard at putting those together you know, the stu- with, the, with the sound as well. The, the sound yeah. of ABBA is really difficult to replicate. It is. I, I was going yeah. to say that. I mean, I, re- I remember growing up with the songs in the 70s. You're thinking, OK, it's all right. Try and and sing some of those songs and, and also get the correct harmonies. It's, it's very the difficult. harmonies. It really yeah, is. Absolutely. Like, we do a 10-piece show of ABBA and we do a six-piece show and we bought the four-piece show over this time. Yeah. Um, and every... Like Greg was saying, when they produce the music if you listen to an ABBA song there's so many layers of vocals Mm. and orchestration which you Mm. can't you can't get that on a stage so yeah that we do have to have some kind of track running with backing vocals on when we're not doing the full 10 piece show because on the full 10 piece show we have the backing singers like ABBA had um so it's it's Greg spent so much time in the studio himself trying to get those tracks to sound like <laughs> Aberdeen. The original. Well, I mean, wi- how difficult is it? Well, they were wizards. They were, you yeah. know, they were way before their time. Uh, and that's what's, you know, so fantastic. And that's why they last so long. They're so enduring, those songs. And, of course, out with another album now, aren't they? Out with another album, yes. <laughs> yes, <laughs> we've got a lot more new songs to learn. <laughs> well, you know, people have asked us, are you going to do the new album? But we're trying to recreate ABBA as they were back in the day. Yeah. So... For, I think we'd have to do a totally new show. And yeah. let's yeah, just leave absolutely. that show to the avatars, which are coming out next year. Absolutely. Yeah. And yeah. let's yeah. stick to the nostalgic trip that we take people on so that they can see ABBA as they were. I think that I think that's the way we're going to go with that. Yeah. I mean, as you said last night, it was it went down really, really well. I, I don't think you can fail with these songs, can you? You know, to get a standard. There's too innovation. many good ones, isn't there? There's too many good Any songs. Any favourites for you guys? Oh, it depends on your mood, really. Well, that's what I say in the show. <laughs> You're giving away some lines there. But my, my, my favourite song, it's really obvious, it's Mamma Mia. I think it's a fantastic <laughs> okay. song. A really obvious one. I'm sorry it's not like a really interesting, like, you know, uh, album track or something yeah. like that, but it's not. It's well, Mamma I'm, Mia for me. Well, I'm an avid fan from the year dot. Yeah, I you grew are, up yeah. with ABBA. I went to see ABBA the movie as a child. Okay. And... Um, I had a lot of the albums. So for me, I love all the Dancing Queens and I love the Mamma Mia's and I love the Waterloo's. But for me, I love a track called Eagle, which oh, yeah. isn't yeah. well played as much. We we do do it in the show because yeah, we have we to cater for the avid fan as well. Yeah. And there's another song that we sometimes put in the show. We haven't got it on this particular tour, but it's called I Wonder. And ABBA did like a mini musical. Um, and it's from that, and I absolutely love that. But um, any ABBA fan 
that's avid like me would probably go, yes, I know that yeah, song. Yeah. I know what you're talking I'm about. I'm a Happy New Year fan. I love that. Oh, yeah. That's yeah. a great song, yeah. which I always play every It New always year. makes me cry. Yeah, I know. I don't know why. <laughs> New Year's Eve, Happy New Year, it just makes me cry. I think you, you think you about cry, the memories gone yeah. by, yeah. don't you? Let's talk about the fashion, um, because that 70s fashion, um, for me, is the best that's ever been. I mean, what it's like wearing those clothes all over again. Um, it seems perfectly normal. We do it, it does, times. Yeah. I think I think I've been wearing those clothes for about eighteen years. <laughs> <laughs> Never had to replace them at all. Well, yeah, we have to get them made. Yeah. Um, have you ever seen the band? No. no, 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 not yet. I was in the West End in London performing in an, an ABBA tribute show that I uh, co-produced when Mama Mia just went into the West End in London. Mm -hmm. It was like, if you couldn't see Mamma Mia, come and see this show. Yeah. And I was really hoping I was going to bump into them, but I never did. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that that would have been fantastic, wouldn't it? Yeah. Um, So ABBA it is um, this weekend. Um, I think we've got full houses pretty much. There might be a few tickets uh, left. Um, Once you've um, cracked the gigs here, what's what's next up for you guys? Next for us is back to the UK. Um, and uh, just doing our normal touring that we do every We're off to Harlow and then to Redruth, which is right down south. Yes, yeah. we've got some travelling and to I do. And I believe Michael Jackson is coming over uh, in a couple of, a couple a couple of, weeks, of weeks' time, time. Yeah. Right. So, yeah. into the QE2. That's it, yeah. QE2. Yeah. What, what's, the, what's the venue like on the QE2? It, oh, it's, it's fantastic. It's so cool, isn't it? It's so... Yeah, it's a lovely... It's a very it's lovely. lovely kind of... Um, it's a very British theatre, isn't it? Yeah, it's a very British it's very feeling. British, yeah, it has got a British feel, yeah. which is which is lovely. I mean, I think theatre started in in Britain, didn't it? Did I, it? I wouldn't like to say. <laughs> Did it? I think the Romans, the viewers, the Romans would have something sure. to say about that, and the Greeks. Listenopedia, help us out. Where did theatre start? Where did it start? <laughs> yeah, because it does have a British feel. And that ship that we're actually performing on, Greg was on it when he was twenty-one years old That's right, with a band, band when it was um, when it was at sea. Yeah. Did you really? I was on there for a year. Are, yeah. are you a keys player? Yes. Yes. Right. Yeah. So you had your own band on the QE2. Yeah. Was yeah. It playing yeah. standards and, and oh, very much so. Yeah. Yes. Uh, but we were in the nightclub band as well, so we were in the Lido at the back, which is now the restaurant. Oh right. Actually, which is a bit weird. So we go for something to eat, you know. And I'm thinking, so memories year, must have come flooding. I spent back. a year in here when I, in my youth. <laughs> yeah, he's told me a few memories of when yeah. he was a single chap because yeah. Greg and I, <laughs> yeah, well, Greg no. and I are actually <laughs> together as a couple. Okay. He said, we don't need to go into any of those right now. There used to be a jacuzzi. So, yeah, great memories of the, of the QE2 yeah, uh, yeah. back on there. Um, I'm going to play out with, if there was one ABBA song, um, you know, the popular ones, that mm-hmm. um, I'm going to play out this little segment that we're going to hear tonight. Which one would you go for? Ooh. I would go for Mamma Mia because it's my favourite. Oh, go on, of go course. for Mamma Mia. All right, I'm just going to drag that over. Mamma Mia, once again, great to meet you guys. Greg and uh, Vicky, Thanks, they well, are performing uh, this weekend on the QE2. It's the ABBA reunion show. A uh, few tickets left, so get on the website, get over there, and be wowed by fantastic songs like this one. The favourite of our Greg. Thanks so much for coming Thank in. Thank you. Cheers, Mark. Thank Enjoy. You. <laughs> Thank you.
mamma mia. 